In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. Jesus is risen! From all of us here at Sunday Setup, we wish you a very happy Easter. As a heads up, you'll notice from Mass this Sunday until Pentecost that both the first and second readings will be taken from the New Testament. And our first reading this weekend is from the same scene as the second reading for the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. It's when Peter visits the house of Cornelius in the Acts of the Apostles. Cornelius invites him in and says, Hey, you, Peter, tell me about Jesus. And that's what Peter does. He speaks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Yet in our excerpt of Peter's preaching to Cornelius, we have a curious phrase. Peter says the following, They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. What does he mean by this? Why doesn't Peter just say, they put him to death by crucifying him? Well, the phrase, hanging him on a tree, alludes to a verse from the book of Deuteronomy. There, it says, if a man guilty of a capital offense is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his corpse shall not remain on the tree overnight. You must bury it the same day. And this we see take place with Jesus' body, as it is placed in the tomb on the same day. Easter Sunday's Mass during the day gives two different options for the second reading, and since our setup last year looked at the passage from Colossians, this year we'll look at the potential passage from 1 Corinthians. It begins with St. Paul using what would have been a common phrase at his time, a little yeast leavens the whole dough. In fact, Paul uses that same phrase again in his letter to the Galatians. But here he's using it for a very specific context. Among the Christians living in the city of Corinth, one has apparently been living in a relationship with his father's wife. Or in other words, a stepchild has been going out with his stepmom. Remember how we said previously on the show that Corinth was a bit like the Las Vegas of the ancient world? Well, when Paul hears this, he writes in this part of the letter that the one who did this deed should be expelled from their midst. He says that word for word in verse 2 of this chapter. But the beginning with verse 6, as if the Corinthians actually need concrete rationale as to why this stepson can't be going out with his stepmom, Paul begins to explain why they should expel this person. A little yeast leavens the whole dough, or like that old song by the Osmonds, one bad apple spoils the bunch. Then after using the image of the yeast, he also makes his case by using a Passover image. Each year at Passover time, Jewish women would scour through their house to make sure all leaven would be cleared out. Then, during the week of Passover, they would eat nothing but unleavened bread. Once Passover passed, see what I did there, then they could have new leaven in their homes once again. In just the same way, Paul is saying, look, you need to clear out the bad leaven in your midst because Christ, our Paschal Lamb, has been sacrificed, just like the other lambs are sacrificed each Passover. Although other options may be used at the discretion of the priest, our gospel on Easter Sunday morning, regardless of the year, is usually St. John's account of the empty tomb. Interesting to note is that even though Mary Magdalene is the first to witness the empty tomb, we have to remember that, in Jewish eyes, the testimony of a woman did not hold weight. According to the book of Deuteronomy, however, the testimony of at least two male witnesses did hold up. And so we see two male witnesses, Simon Peter and the beloved disciple, run to the tomb to verify Mary's account. The most helpful background information for our gospel is that grave robbing was quite common at Jesus' time. It was a rather lucrative industry, since many were buried with personal belongings. There was treasure to be had for those who robbed graves. In fact, a couple decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus, 
The Roman Emperor Claudius decreed that anyone caught destroying or robbing a tomb would warrant capital punishment. We bring this background then about grave robbing to St. John's account of Easter morning. Mary Magdalene arrives at the tomb and her first thought is, someone has taken Jesus' body. He's been stolen. Look at what she says to Simon Peter, then to the beloved disciple. They have taken the Lord from the tomb and we do not know where they put him. Now, a common response of non-believers to the early Christians would have been what we call the stolen body hypothesis. And the title kind of speaks for itself, right? It's a claim that Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead because someone stole his body. And yet an important detail in St. John's account illustrates how this is not the case. When Simon Peter and the beloved disciple enter the tomb, they see the burial cloth still remaining there. And this should trigger some alarm bells against the stolen body hypothesis, because if robbers really did take Jesus' body, why did they leave the burial cloths there? And furthermore, we're told that the cloth that covered Jesus' head is rolled up in a separate place. Why would robbers not only leave the burial cloths, but then take the time to roll up the cloth covering the head and put it in a separate place? These details are meant to counter the stolen body hypothesis. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this Easter Sunday in year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.